Welcome to the Domestic Fuel Cast, a podcast devoted to news and information about alternative fuels and energy, produced and hosted by Zimcom New Media. Higher food prices have led to increasing calls for changes in the renewable fuel standard that was just implemented as part of the energy bill signed into law last December. The bill calls for 36 billion gallons of annual renewable fuel use by the year 2022, with 21 billion gallons coming from feedstocks other than corn. Implementation of the RFS is under the authority of the Environmental Protection Agency, which could potentially grant a waiver of the RFS, according to Deputy Assistant Administrator Robert Myers. The agency has received several requests related to our waiver authority, including a specific request by the governor of Texas for EPA to waive 50 percent of the mandate for the production of ethanol derived from grain. In response, it's our intent to shortly issue a Federal Register notice on this matter and establish a docket to receive public comments. EPA is required under the Clean Air Act to approve or disapprove a state petition within 90 days of receiving it. Myers testified recently at a House Energy Subcommittee hearing on the matter, which included several witnesses who supported keeping the RFS in place. One was Nathaniel Green, a senior policy analyst with the Natural Resources Defense Council, who made note of the important environmental safeguards included in the law. The new renewable fuel standard was a major step forward for a biofuels policy, a step away from the more is better approach that has dominated our policies towards a better is better approach. The latest research confirms Congress's foresight in crafting the renewable fuel standard to do the following four things. Set minimum life cycle greenhouse gas emission standards for all biofuels from new facilities. Define the life cycle greenhouse gas emissions to include all of the emissions from the full life cycle, cultivation, production, through combustion, and specifically to include both the direct and indirect emissions from land use change. Accounting for emissions from land use change is the most important step to producing low-carbon biofuels and taking biofuels out of the food price equation. The third important step in the renewable fuel standard is encouraging the production of plentiful biofuels feedstocks, including woody biomass, while ensuring that the renewable fuel standard mandate does not drive up the destruction of old-growth forests, native grasslands, or imperiled ecosystems, or the degradation of our federal forests. The fourth and most important part of the renewable fuel standard is that it requires the vast majority of new biofuels required under the law to to be advanced biofuels derived from renewable cellulosic biomass, providing a life cycle greenhouse gas emission reduction of at least 60 percent compared to the fossil fuels they replace. Green added that it's important for the Environmental Protection Agency to have full funding to make sure the RFS implementation is guided by science rather than politics. The high price of food has become a politically charged issue, and those calling for changes in the RFS say it's the only action they can take that will lower food prices. Bob Deneen with the Renewable Fuels Association says they have it backward. The single most important factor driving food price inflation today is oil, and you are doing something about that. The RFS is doing something about that. We are reducing crude oil costs. We are reducing gasoline costs. Governor Perry from Texas, as as has been discussed, has submitted a waiver request from this program. Our analysis suggests that if he is successful and he waives half of the renewable fuel standards so that four and a half billion gallons of ethanol has to come out of the marketplace, gasoline prices will increase a dollar and fourteen cents from three sixty eight to four dollars and seventy nine cents. That 
is severe economic harm. Deneen also points out that the first-generation ethanol plants in production today using corn as a feedstock are setting the foundation for the second generation that will use other feedstocks. Cellulosic ethanol producer Randy Kramer of KL Process Design Group spoke out strongly in support of corn ethanol during the hearing. Corn-based ethanol is the only large-volume biofuels bridge to the 2022 cellulose ethanol goal. We must protect this bridge as a strategic component to allow companies like ours to improve cellulose technology, and we take exception to the misrepresentations being touted by the media, special interest groups, and the United Nations who cling to the baseless notion that ethanol is somehow displacing agricultural resources and linking the displacement of corn from food to fuel. And Dr. Mark Stowers, a poet, illustrated that bridge between corn and cellulosic ethanol by presenting the view of the nation's largest corn ethanol producing company, which is moving into cellulosic production by using corn cobs. Poet's strategy in the cellulosic ethanol production involves the utilization of existing corn to ethanol plants. Our focus is on corn cobs as the primary cellulosic feedstock. Using corn ethanol plants, existing farmer and often investor network to collect cobs. This approach would allow rapid deployment of the cellulose ethanol process across an expansive corn ethanol base through a bolt-on approach. POET is implementing this strategy through what is called Project Liberty, an integrated corn cellulose biorefinery. Project Liberty will transform POET biorefining Emmitsburg, an existing dry mill ethanol plant located in northwest Iowa, into an integrated corn to ethanol and cellulose to ethanol biorefinery. Once complete, this facility will produce 125 million gallons of ethanol, 25 of which will come from the feedstock of corn fiber and corn cobs. The impact of Project Liberty in terms of ethanol production will be 11 percent more ethanol per bushel of corn and 27 percent more ethanol per, per acre of corn produced. But Dr. Stower says that will not be possible without continued support of the corn ethanol industry and the investment incentive provided by the Renewable Fuel Standard. I'm Cindy Zimmerman. You've been listening to the Domestic Fuel Cast, the official podcast of DomesticFuel.com. Check out the website daily for the latest good news about the alternative energy industry.